Welcome to the Celebration Church Orlando podcast. Thank you so much for listening today. We hope it encourages you and inspires you. Here's today's message. Such a, such a cool video, and we're going to get a chance to, to hear a little bit more about uh, One Child and, and just all the amazing things that um, we're seeing God do through generosity and through us um, getting involved, man. But before we get started, would you mind helping me welcome our online audience? We're so, so thankful for you guys. We're so, so glad that you're here worshiping with us today. Um, and, and we're really expected. I'm, I'm, such, I'm so excited for, for where we are. And, and, and by we, I mean collectively all of us. Something that God's really been speaking to me as of late is just about the, the season that I think collectively we all find ourselves in. And, and the best way to summarize that is I think that we all are in that place where God is really transforming us. I think we all can probably agree to that, that there's, there's this transformation that God is doing. And ultimately, the best way for me to, to define it is transforming. It simply means going from one state to the next, going from one thing to the next. And we all understand that that's God's desire for all of us, for all of us to kind of go from where we are to ultimately what he's calling us to be and never to get content with where we are. And sometimes situations and seasons come that, that stretch us and challenge us, but we can see often in the rearview mirror what God was doing the entire time. So all of us pretty much know how to accept this concept of transformation. We understand the idea of God wanting us to level up. What I think we often challenge with is what happens in between, and that's what I call that season of transition. You know, that that place where I'm not quite what I want to be, and that's the place where it gets a little uncomfortable. And I believe that the season that we find ourselves in probably sounds a little bit familiar for some of us, where I I recognize that God is doing something. I'm going from where I am to, to ultimately what he's calling me to be but it's uncomfortable right now. That's that season of transition. I, I, like, to, I like to describe it this way because it's, it's really in my heart. How many, how many of my 80s babies are in the house? Who remembers the Transformers? There's a couple of us. For those of you that don't know, Google it. It'll certainly change your life. But, 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 but watch this. I used, to, I used to love watching Transformers. I used to love watching this idea of this, of this superhero character, Optimus Prime, going from being this truck to being this giant leader and a soldier. So, but but here's, here's the thing that I know about that whole idea of transformation. When he begins to transform, and we all know that sound like Autobots roll out. Like we, 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 we know that sound. It's my best rendition. Um, um, but, but we know that sound. But you know what would happen? If you were to like pause the screen in the middle of the transformation, it would look like a twisted mess. Uh-oh, I'm talking to somebody right now. If, if, you, if you were to look at it, you would say, like, man, that, that looks an absolute mess. That looks a hot mess. It's uncomfortable right now. But if you, uh, if you just push play and allow that thing to play out, you could see that that transition that was happening was actually a transformation that God was birthing. And I believe right now for somebody, I don't know who I'm talking to, right now you feel a little uncomfortable this morning. You're in that transition season where some things feel a little uncomfortable. But let me tell you something. You're in the optimal season in the prime of your life, and God is transforming you into something else. I'm not supposed to be talking about none of this today, but, but I believe that's a prophetic word for somebody. And I'm excited because we are all transformers in transition. I believe that all of us are going from one thing to the next. And as I look at what God has been doing in our amazing community, just last week, we had such a powerful worship night. The spirit of God moved and we saw God heal and restore and do some incredible things. And then we were able to celebrate it with uh, baptisms and people taking that public declaration of their faith. It was, it was such a powerful moment. And I'm just seeing this momentum that God is birthing through his church. But I'm also grateful as we've been in this, this series about stewardship and how do, we, how do we handle and navigate through the things that God has given us. I'm so grateful that he's given us amazing relationships. 
I want to read this passage of scripture to us, and then I want to invite Pastor Dixon to come up. But, but this is what the Bible says in, in 1 Timothy chapter 3. It's, it's speaking, about, speaking about the qualifications of a leader, qualifications of, of an elder. And it says this, um, this saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to be an overseer or a pastor or a leader, he desires noble work. An overseer, therefore, must be above reproach. Uh, the husband of one wife, self-controlled, sensible, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not an excessive drinker. Doesn't say not a drinker at all, just not excessive. Not an excessive drinker. <laughs> just messing with somebody's theology right now. Like, what is, what is happening? <laughs> Calm down. Um, <laughs> not, <laughs> I literally lost my place. Somebody, somebody pray for your pastor. Um, okay, so above reproach, a husband and one wife, self-controlled, sensible, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not an excessive drinker, not a bully, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not greedy. He must manage his own household com- competently, um, having his children under his control with, with dignity. If anyone knows how to manage his own household, how will he take care of the house of God? He must not be a new convert. Um, he must not be conceited or incur some condemnation as the devil. Furthermore, he must have a good reputation among outsiders so that he does not fall into disgrace and the devil's trap. What an amazing description that God's word establishes for what it means to be a pastor in his church. These are the qualifications. So whenever you're looking to, to leaders and pastors, this is not like a a suggestion. This is God saying, these are the people that I have chosen and these are the qualifications for them. And, and what I've learned the, the longer I've done this is that whenever I find myself connected to people that exhibit these characteristics, I always want to hear from them because I feel like we can all learn from one another. And what I'm happy to announce is that Pastor Dixon meets these qualifications. He, he's a man that I have known for years and literally if this was a checklist, there's not a single item that would be left unchecked because of the life and the legacy that he has lived. And so you're going to get a chance to hear more about what God has done through him as a result of him fulfilling what God called him to do with these qualifications. So Celebration Church, would you mind doing this? Would you mind standing on your feet? And let's honor Pastor Dixon as he comes up to share with us. Come on, this is for you, man. Take a bow or something. <laughs> All right, you guys can go ahead and, and take your seats. Pastor Dixon and I are gonna, just going to chop it up for a few minutes, have a, a, a quick conversation, and then we're going to encourage you and pray and, and, and then wrap up the day because I know some dads are already hungry because I'm one of them. Um, but, but Pastor Dixon, I want to thank you so much for, for being with us today. I want to thank you for um, creating the space and, and, and being with us today. Well, thank you very much. It's, it's wonderful to be here, uh, finally. Yes. Uh, we're so glad to be here. Thank you. Okay, so I want to say Happy Father's Day to you, first and foremost, because I know that you have such an amazing family. So before we get into all the logistics, tell me, what is your favorite thing about being a dad? Just watch those kids grow, man. They, they just, um, they have taught me, stretched me, and helped me to really be a better person. Yeah, um, just seeing them grow and what they've become. You know, I, I, I think the greatest learning has been raising our children with my wife, Chipo, there. In fact, we, we celebrate 30 years of marriage. 30 uh, years of marriage, yeah. come on. Yeah, 
That's Come on, hey, hey, Pastor Chippo, he shouted you out. You got to stand and wave to the people. You got you to gotta, you gotta get the people what they want. Pastor Chippo is with Pastor Dixon. Thank you so much for being with yeah, us. Y'all just hear how I just asked him, what does it feel like to be a father? And it just sounded like wisdom, just, just watching them grow. Like, I mean, it's just, it's, just, it's, just, it's just on you, man. It's just on you. It's just on you. So I, I remember um, being, being a young pastor at Celebration Church and um, like just beginning to get to know people. And, and I remember like there was this moment where like I remember we were in the back and I was talking to some other pastors and they began to like whisper like, hey, Pastor Dixon's here. Like you were like some kind of mythical legend. And, and, I, and I, didn't, I didn't have context. I didn't understand. I'm like, okay, but I'm here too. I mean, what's up? Like... <laughs> I, I, I didn't fully understand it, and I think you preached that Sunday, and that was the first time that I had an opportunity to, to meet you and to hear your heart, and, and I understood the legend is true, and over the years, I've got an opportunity to see, like, more and more of your life up close, and I understand why people say, they don't even say your name out loud, it's like Voldemort, like, don't say it, but I mean, it's, it's like, Pastor, Pastor Dixon's here, and the grace that you carry. W would you mind sharing with us for a couple of minutes, like, what, is, what has been your journey? On, on becoming a pastor. Tell us a little bit about your background and, and how you got to the place where people whisper your name now. <laughs> pastor Keith. <laughs> I have so much to say, but I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna really just... Um, I grew up in the village and I... Um, and life in, in the village in Zimbabwe is very different to probably men of you would know. And um, when I was about six years old, with four of us, my father left. My mom was not educated at all, so she then began to struggle taking care of us. And eventually, we had to leave at the farm that we were staying because my father just had problem with alcohol. And so we knew that whenever he got paid, he would take a little longer coming back home. The only reason he kept his job, he was very good. So the owner of the farm, he, it was multiple farms, he was responsible for all these big pieces of equipment for harvesting and all that. And so we had to leave. So my mom had to give us to different family members. And I went to her brother who had five wives. And so you can imagine I'm, I'm staying there and um, so I would move from one, they all had their houses around, their hearts around, so I would move from. So that kind of twisted my thinking about life and um, I just began to hear about this father. That's why today is very special. That there's a father that actually loves me. At first I thought fathers... They just, I didn't ask to be born. I didn't go and sign up to say, can I be born now? I didn't do that. <laughs> and then the person who brought me here just walks away. So I thought, fathers are bad, bad people. I, I don't want anything to do with them. But I had this teacher who started telling me about, you know, God the Father. He's a loving he is amazing. He will never leave you. If somebody's going to leave, it's not him, but it's you. And I just began to learn more and more. And he began to do something to my heart. Pastor Keith, I began to find that I could actually pray and talk to him. 
And there were moments when I was praying and I could almost feel his presence right in the room. And so I gave my life, you know, to Jesus. And this has been the most awesome relationship that I've ever had. And I said, God, I know you are there. And I want to give my whole life to you. And so I remember when, when I was at college, I, I desired to be, and, and he has been do everything that I've been asking him. You know, he is, is a village boy. I, I, I've wanted to be an engineer. And that's what I eventually became. And then, I, and then he, I would go to anything. If they wanted somebody at church to do anything, I would be there. And I, I, was, I was an usher. I would teach. I even learned to play. I, I began to lead worship in the church. Are you saying that you're going to lead us in worship at the end of the service? That's what I, that's what I heard. <laughs> I mean, come on. I mean. Wow. <laughs> I can play the guitar. <laughs> Not that. Yeah, so. You know, so I remember one time I turned up at the women's meeting and they, 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 they welcomed me in, but I looked, there were all w women in there. And that's how I just, if there was something going on at church, I wanted to be there, you know, and uh, that's how much I loved the Father, you know. And um, so for me, coming to be a pastor, I, I can see... Um, God working, at, I didn't hear a voice that said, Dixon, now you're going to have to leave your job and be here. It was just very progressive. And, and because I loved him more, I was so hungry for him. It was like when the time came, you know, I was married then. And, and, and I said, I said, my wife, I said, this is what I, I just feel this is time. But I'm not going to do it until we are both ready, you know. And when we were ready... You know, I quit my job and, you know, I went to Bible school for three years. She took care. She's awesome. She took care of us, me and the children. And, um, yeah, here I am. So it's been a wonderful journey, you know, uh, but it came, started right then. I, I love that because I think a lot of times, specifically when we come to church or we have conversations with people and we, we, we summarize these movements of God, like sometimes we forget that when you turn a page of a Bible, that literally may be hundreds of years. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times our anticipation or our expectation is it's immediate, it's immediate, and yeah. some things are. But, but I love how you mentioned it was progressive. Yeah. Um, and, and, and hearing your story about um, growing up in, in the village, Megan and I were um, incredibly privileged enough just two years ago to, to come and, and, and be with you guys and see some of the villages that you were talking about. And, and I was blown away. I was blown away because I feel like um, that a lot of times God prepares us by allowing us to walk through some things. We see that in the life of Moses. We see that in so many instances. So your ability to, to navigate through the villages as well as being in a city, like there's a grace on your life that allows you to really have access. And so I think it's encouraging for someone here that you may be wondering, why am I at the place that I am? I think it's not meant to define you, but it develops you. Yep. And, and, God, and God will absolutely use it. So I, that's, what I, that's what I noticed with you. But here's one of the things that I, that I love about your character. And I want, I want to hear you talk about this a little bit. Um, is that you just have this, this boldness. Like this, 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 this like true insatiable boldness. And, and, and one of the things I'm speaking of specifically, Megan, you'll remember this. Um, so Zimbabwe is, is vastly different than America. Yep. And, and ultimately, I want to kind of hear you talk about some of the distinctions. Um, but one of the things that, that we had saw was like there's actual cults there. 
very visible cults. And, and I remember as we were driving and you were like, okay, so these are different cults that are set up all around. And, and the reason why I said you're bold is because you just pulled up right in front of one of the cult gatherings, pointed like, yeah, that's one of the cults there and talking about spiritual warfare. And I'm like, man, like, I ain't from these Zimbabwe streets, man. You could tell me this at the red light. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know where this thing's gonna go, man. But, but, but seriously, what I love was that your, your boldness and even how you've been able to, to show love um, even in, in, in moments where people have been resistant. So can you share um, with us a little bit um, how you've been able to boldly step into these places where you do face some very strong oppositions, opposition to poverty, opposition from the government times, opposition even from cults. Like, can you encourage us around how to navigate through that opposition with the boldness that you believe that God has given you? One of the scriptures that have really, um, my greatest hero is Jesus. When I look at his life, uh, I just see somebody who had a mission and a purpose. And so Acts chapter 10, verse 38, how God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good. That just right there, who went about doing good, and we know the reason was because, you know, God was with him. And I want to say, you know, to each one of us, and I, and I want to share how that applies. God... God, God has anointed you. He has got his, his, his love is upon you. His, his mantle is upon you. And he is setting each one of us to do some good stuff. Don't, don't worry about the bad stuff sometimes that you do. I, I did that too. All of us do. But, but God is always taking us away from the bad to the good. So that's what has driven me. When I started serving him, I said, this hunger that I talked about, I said, God, you, what do I want to do? What do, what do you want me to do, rather? And 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 I just, I just, I just go in that floor. Uh, whatever he he wants me to do, I'm gonna do it. Now you you know when, when Jesus did stuff, he faced opposition all the time. You know, you know. In fact, you know, even the people that he did good to, they 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 attacked him. They left him. You're going to have that. You know, you'll do good stuff to people. They will leave you. They will talk about you. So the tendency is to, to focus on them. Mm -hmm. When you do that, you will stop progressing to what God wants you to do. So you got to just kind of, you know, the, the scriptures tell therefore fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. He finishes what he starts in your life and in my life. So, so th that's what has given me, you know, in fact... <laughs> One of our locations, um, when we got the space, there was a big tree, and one of those cults, they were actually meeting there. Yeah. And so I walked to their leader. They dress in white, all of them. They don't use the Bible. They just, you know, they, they have, their leader is a prophet who just really misleads them into things that are so far away from God. They, that was their shrine. Mm -hmm. So I walked up to him, and I told him, look, we... we we got this place now. We're going to do a church here. And uh, you know, I just want to know you. He looked at me and says, no, this is our place. God gave us, gave it to us. He is different God. I said, well, the true God who I worship gave this to us. You know, and I'm hoping that you will come to be part of us. So we fenced it up. They still kept coming there. And um, they were very mad, you know, with us. You know, we, we now have a few of their members. They've been 
you know, saved. Now they are worshiping, but they moved to the next tree outside. You know, so, so it, it's because Jesus went about doing good. Doing good is loving on people, drawing people, helping them see that God can open their hearts and open their eyes to see that there's a God who is great and awesome, who loves them. And even though they struggle to understand him, but if they keep on searching and looking, they will find him. Man. Can, we, can we give it up for that? Um, the, the preacher in me can't let this one part go by. So, so like, y'all got to give me a second. You, you said that, that you had this land that was given to you, some ground that was for you to take, but some opposition was occupying that. And so you, you stepped to the opposition and said, this, this now belongs to me. But the opposition said, no, like, God gave it to me. And so it became this moment where whose voice are you going to believe? Whose report are you going to believe? It became a matter of making a decision and saying, I know what God has told me, and I know what you say that your God has told you. But it's almost like an Elijah moment where it's like, let's pray and see whose God responds. And you were able to take the ground that was given to you. I want to encourage somebody right now because what I firmly believe is that there's some things that God has promised to you and all you're facing is the voice of opposition telling you that it's not yours. There may be some documents that may even say that it's not yours, but I want to let you know that we serve the true God come and on, he has the final on. word yeah. in Jesus name. Yes. I, I told you that the preacher and me just couldn't let it ride, man. That was, that was too good. That was, that was too good. Okay. So I want to, I want to hear, we're going to wrap up in just a minute, but I want to hear like, uh, what we have is like once a month, we have like these, these pastor meetings where all the pastors that are connected to celebration, we hop on a zoom call. Um, and, and one of the things that I've learned is that even though we know that that comparison is terrible, um, I just learned that I don't want to be the guy that goes after Dixon when we're sharing testimonies. Because every time they're like, hey, like, what's going on in your cities? And we're all talking about what God is doing and everything is doing so amazing. Every time you get on, you begin to talk about what God is doing in Zimbabwe. And you're like, man, I must not be praying right. Like, we're, we're, we're praying and saying, like, man, like, we, we moved into a new building. And Dixon's like, okay, cool. The government gave me a whole bunch of land. Like, I mean, it's, it's, and they're paying me now. Like, it's like, it's like these crazy, like, book of Acts miracles, man. So it's, I love you, but it's frustrating being your friend. Um, <laughs> I feel like I've missed God sometimes. Um, but, if, but if you could, just really quick, what would you say are some of the, the biggest things that you've seen God do in the church throughout the course of a couple of years? Just, I know that's a big thing coming from you, but just what are a couple of things that are just major milestones that can be an encouragement for, for God's people? Oh, the greatest things that I've seen God do is touch and change people that I just did not, in my mind, think he would change. You know, as I stood there and I just, together with our team, you know, proclaimed the word of God, and some of them are those cults. We have different people that are just so deceived. They, they, they meet outside. When, when, on, on, they, they start on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, and Sunday, they're meeting everywhere there's so much freedom of worship in zimbabwe that look you know people just but that's our ground to really harvest at least the first thing is they are looking for someone and we know our god is the real god so i've seen people just giving their lives to the lord people that had a reputation and i i've when i've seen that 
it has made my faith stronger that God is able to change people. And, and I want to even say that if you are here and you have even people that you really have wanted to see God change, don't stop praying for them. Don't stop loving them. Don't stop reaching out of, to them. Because this God is awesome. If you could change a person like Saul who was killing Christians, you know, you know, he can change you and I, you know, and, and, and we are testimony of what he can do. So that's one of the greatest things that I've seen God do. Um, um, but I've seen him also, his favor as we have reached out. You know, I remember when we, we started, we, we started, you know, Celebration Church at our house. Uh, there was just 12 of us. Um, you know, it seems as if, you know, uh, God just loves to use trees. Most of our churches start under trees. You know, before we move into building, because it's 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 kind of cool. And, I mean, cool as in the shade. Yeah. You know, uh, um, you know, under trees, and, and and so so I've seen God help us be a part of a great um, a great family celebration church here in in Jacksonville and 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 Orlando, and um, you know you know DC you know. You were the legend, Pastor Keith. You and Pastor Megan. We, I mean, you have great pastors. Let me tell you this: if you did not know, these 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 guys love you and they love God. And 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 you, you know, he has said a lot about us. But look, you're a great. When when I came, I was I was saying I need to get to knowing this. So you you, you can imagine what's going on right here, right now. I'm sitting here with. Pastor Keith and we, 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 so I've been learning a lot of things from you. So God has allowed us to, to plant a number of churches, um, um, you know, with four expressions of celebration church. We've got the village church, which, which there's, there's mud huts and you've been to some of them. And then we've got the, uh, the, the growth point. This is like your Western town. You know, you've got one street with the stores on one side and a few cars there and some donkey carts and cows grazing all around. Then we have the township churches, which is a cluster of churches, lots of, of houses. And then we have the city, you know, church. God has allowed Chipo and I to be able to really reach to some of the communities. We are in Region 5, which is the, 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 the driest part of our country, you know. And, uh, but God has also allowed us to really partner with one child and really be able you know, to see God just raise so many people across here to help us, you know, you know, take care of some of those, um, you know, Lionel, that you saw, uh, the, 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 the church that you were seeing there is, was, was the second church that we, we actually started, um, and, 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 and he is in high school now, uh, he, yeah, he's in high school now, and, um, you know, um, he, he calls me, you know, grandpa and my mom, grandma, you know, and sometimes I drive to his house, pick him up, go for an ice cream. And he is, he wants to be a pilot, by the way. And so we're going to, we're going to see, you know, if, if, if the Lord and ourselves, you know, can help him reach to his dream. You know, we, we're going to, yeah. 
I, I, I love that. I, I, don't want, I want to talk about one child in just a second, but I, I don't want to move past this because um, you referenced the different types of churches that, that we have in Zimbabwe. And, and again, Meg and I had an opportunity to kind of visit a, a, a little collection of all of them. How, how, how many locations do we have in Zimbabwe now? We have 20 locations. We just 20 did, yeah. locations. Yeah. We, that, is, yeah. that is amazing. I, I'm, I'm, I'm so, so honored to have been able to, to witness and, and seeing how, um, even out in the villages, which again, I think we can all probably grasp the concept of it, but just literally seeing out in the villages, mud huts and, 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 and those environments, if we can just put it plain, like those are not environments where, where the people can give to sustain it. You know, we're, we're fortunate enough with your generosity, you're able to give to help us to sustain and do the ministry we're called to do. But, but yet, you're called to go to the place where people literally can't give you anything back, but yet you know that God has a calling on those individuals as well. So I want to commend you for going into the, to the wilderness, to the, to, the, to the less inspiring environments, but still recognizing because you yourself came from that. It's just, it's just, it's so beautiful. Um, but I do want to ask a, a little bit about um, One Child because I do see the, the incredible impact that, um, that our partnership with One Child has had and being able to reach um, the children there, um, such as Lionel. Megan and I got an opportunity to meet our sponsor, Child, when we were there, um, Abino. And, um, and, and it, was, it was absolutely amazing and truly seeing the, the, the impact um, that, that our generosity has. So can you explain our relationship with, with One Child a little bit? Yes. So uh, One Child, they're incredible. Uh, they're incredible. In fact, um, you know, uh, you know, Pastor Rachel represents, you know, one child here, you know, for us in, in, in the United States. And, and Pastor John, you know, who, um, from Awakening Alliance, you know, helps con connect the dots. And, and, and Chipo, uh, my wife, she uh, is the steward of um, uh, child care ministries, which is uh, really a child, if I can say, of Celebration Church Zimbabwe that really works with the different partners, and one child is one of those. So our relationship is, is one child is, is, is responsible for really reaching out together with Celebration Church now to different, you know, churches where we give an opportunity uh, to people to really connect with a child in Africa. Um, so we would have, would have um, uh, them pick a child that they would like to, you know, to sponsor, and uh, they would talk to that child uh, through letters, this, letters that they write every year, you know, they would um, give towards that child, and, and, and that child will go get medical, they will get education. We actually, through the Shine Conference that we did, um, my wife started a, a factory that they, they, we use some of the single mothers and some of the widows, they work in that factory. It's called Shine Sewing Project. So all the sponsored children that anyone sponsors, we will get a uniform, two uniforms a year for, 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 for each one of them. But they get, I mentioned medical, they get education. But the greatest part, Pastor Keith, is this. Every one of our locations is a hope center. What I mean by that is, Whilst we can give them all these things, we believe that to set them up for the future. Like Lionel loves Jesus so much. When you're talking to him, some of his questions about Jesus, and I, I think that he, he, he most likely is going to be a pastor, not a pilot. But, you know, <laughs> they all start with a P, so I'm sure, you know, he could probably do both. 
you know, he, he's asking a lot about, about you, know, you know, Jesus. And his, his mother is a single mom who had, who had him when she didn't want to. And so, um, but both of them, the way they love God. And, and, and when I look at all that, I'm saying to myself, hey, um, we, we can really just be able to really change so many people through what one child you know, you know, is doing. And so, so, so our relationship with them is they facilitate in, this, in the United States for people to be able to actually give um, a, a small amount of money every month. And then we work together with our church, Celebration Church is the one that has been appointed in the United States to really be able to send that to our team and we make sure that that goes in there. So there's a very great relationship that we have. And I, I wanna honor, you know, Pastor John, you know, for stewarding that relationship in the United States, you know. So it's, it's our people that are actually working with our church, Celebration Church in the United States to be able to help us to take care of all those, you know, sponsored children. That's amazing. Yeah. And, and the last time I was there, I, I lost count. How many, how many children do we reach per day with feeding and providing education and all those things? There are 3,000. She's the director. How many? 3,500. You see, she knows everything. 3,500. 3,500 that's children. Many, yeah. that's, yeah. that's amazing. Yeah. I love it. I yeah. love it. So I realized that... Um, that, that COVID, the pandemic, specifically with, with everything really being connected to people's generosity and, and the season that we hit obviously adjusts all of us and, 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 and things like that. What would you say is the, the biggest thing that you guys are praying for right now as, as hopefully mission trips begin to open back up, people can come over and visit their, um, the child that they're sponsoring, be a part of the church and celebration? What, what are some of the things that you're praying for right now? The pandemic to go. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. We, we're really praying that, um, you know, God can continue to uh, help us take care of each one of those, you know, kids. Some of them are very bright. What they have not gotten is the opportunity that many of us have, have had. Yeah. That we could be able to really see the ones that God really, you know, um, would like to just lift because we see leaders there yep. there's a lot of leaders so we're praying for that but we are also praying we are also praying for uh, our country we have 95 percent unemployment so when 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 i walk around and i see this sign now hiring i'm saying wow if that was in zimbabwe they would break that store because everybody will be lining up to get in there so i'm praying for just zimbabwe's economy uh, because everybody's buying and selling um, you know, but above everything else, I'm praying that, you know, all the children that we have, if, if they could be strong in their relationship with the Lord, because they are little evangelists, they go back from what they get from the hope centers to their families. Some of those children have actually been able to help people to do Shabbat and communion in their homes. You know, some of them, they actually lead that, some of those children. So that's, that's my prayer, you know. That's my prayer. If they can get every home they come from, you know, come and find out why their children are doing so well, that would be awesome.
Okay. Well, that's what we're going to do. I'm going to ask uh, Pastor Chippo if you can come up here and Megan. Um, Mike, I want you to come up here as well. I want to, um, I want to pray for Pastor Dixon and, and the team as we, um, as we prepare to, to kind of transition and, and get ready to wrap up the service. Um, Big John, why don't you come up here as, as well? Um, I, I believe in, in the power of prayer, and I, I truly am thankful for the incredible work that you guys have, have done, the, the legacy that you all have established. Um, and so I want to um, I wanna, I wanna pray for you guys. In fact, um, Big John, can you, can you pray for him? I would love for you to do it. Big John, you, you, you've overseen and literally have been um, in the mission field for, for several years in our Northern Ireland location. And so um, if you can just impart some, some words of encouragement and, and pray for the Dixons, man, I think that'll be powerful. Thank you, Pastor Keith. If everybody would just stretch a hand forward in agreement and just a, a way of also imparting this. They leave to, uh, tomorrow morning flying back. And, um, you know, when they heard they could come to Orlando and be here with Pastor Keith, they're like, what pandemic? We're coming. <laughs> But we just love them, and, and uh, we thank you for your support. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for Pastor Dixon and Pastor Chipo, the Shangara family, even their daughter Faith's out preaching today at a child sponsorship event, and their, their son Tanashi back home ministering in church. We just love them. We ask you bless their family. And as Pastor Dixon has just brought this to us, these um, 3,500 kids in the program, that they would be evangelists throughout their nation. Lord, we pray that you would meet their needs. We pray, God, you would fill them up every time they step on the site of a Hope Center, just like we do on a Sunday, come into a celebration church. We pray that same kind of blessing on them. Lord, we pray you meet their every need. We pray, God, that you meet their dreams, God. Their dream right now is to take this land that they've been given by the government and to actually start to grow the food and actually feed the kids right there, not have to buy it from other countries and be able to feed over 100,000 kids a day. That's their prayer right there out of Zimbabwe. So, Lord, this is a huge vision. We know there's opposition in the transition. So, Lord, right now we pray you give them faith, give them strength, and let them know we are with them them. We believe in them, Lord, and we know you're with them. We pray you bless today, Lord, and as you move on our hearts, Lord, what all of us can do to be a part of one kid at a time, one dream at a time. And we thank you for this family. We thank you for them, Pastor Dixon, as a father over all of our celebration church houses. And we bless them in Jesus' name, and we are with them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. amen. Thank you guys so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. God bless you. Um, we're going we're gonna, to um, prepare to, to close. So I'm going to invite the, the worship team to, to come back and to, to join me now. Um, as we prepare to wrap up, I, I want to close out um, our time together just with a couple of, of, of simple thoughts. You know, with this being Father's Day and, and, and all the things that we've talked about, even Pastor Nate mentioning earlier just about um, the emotion of, of trying to figure out how to have a proper perspective of the love that God truly gives us. Um, and, and I'm hoping that we're, we're sensing that, that the God's heart for his people is to reach them. God's heart, and I believe people like Pastor Dixon, um, you represent an aspect of that. God's desire to, to vigilantly go out and, and to pursue people. You know, scripture says, go out into the highways and the byways. That's what the King James Version says. But go out into the places that are, that are obscure and uncomfortable. But those are the people that God has called us to reach. I, I want to read a passage of scripture to us really quick. Um, just to kind of close out and encourage us um, so that we can have a healthy perspective of, of who God is as it relates to us. Um, in Luke chapter 15, looking at verse number 11 through 24, it's, it's a parable that Jesus shares. Um, and it's a very powerful parable because he's trying to help 
the people of God to understand God's posture towards them. It's a familiar parable, and it says this at verse number 11. He also said, um, a man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me a share of the estate that I have coming to me. So he distributed the assets to them. Um, not many days later, the younger son gathered together all that he had, traveled to a distant country where he squandered his estate um, in foolish living. He had spent everything. A severe famine had struck the country, and he had nothing. Then he went to work for one of the citizens of that country who, had, who sent him into the fields to feed pigs, which was completely anti to that culture. It was, it was, a, it was a big deal to, to be around that. Um, he longed to, to eat his fill of the pots with the pigs that he were eating, and he, he had a desire to eat the very things that something that was detestable um, was eating from. That's when you know he had came to what we would define as his, um, his breaking point. Um, but no one was giving him anything. Verse number 17, it says, but when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more um, than enough food? And here I am dying of hunger. I'll get up, I'll go to my father and say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired workers. So he got up and went to his father. Um, and while the son was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion and ran to him and threw his arms around his neck, he kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father told his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Then bring the fattened calf and slaughter it and let's celebrate the feast. Because this son of mine was dead and is now alive, he was lost and he is now found. So they began to celebrate. I think that's such a, a different vision than what that son had anticipated. He probably expected to be met with wrath and, and anger and, and outrage, but instead he was met with something a little bit different. You know, I, I remember many years ago um, when Meg and I were still serving at our Jacksonville location, and it's, it's, a, it's a large location. There's a lot of rooms, a lot of people, and I remember this specifically this one time, probably uh, my son Caleb was about six or seven years old. Um, and at that time, we're, 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 we're serving, and, 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 you know, when you are a child who works for a staff member at a church, it's like it takes a village, literally. So I'm out doing something, and I just knew that as long as he was with these group of leaders, he would be perfectly fine. Well, time went on, and, and, and I began to look for Caleb, and I couldn't find him. I, I still remember it vividly where I, I had anticipated where he was supposed to be, but I saw the leaders that I thought that he was with, and I said, like, hey, have you, have you, you seen Caleb where he's at? They're like, we, we haven't seen him. And, and in my mind, I'm thinking to myself, I, I know I saw you in the distance. I told Caleb to go over to you, um, and somehow there was some kind of a disconnect. And, and I got to tell you guys, like, it's, it seems so, it seems like such a small thing, but in a church of that size with that many people, I could not find my son. I began to get filled with so much anxiety and stress. It's, a, it's amazing the roller coaster that your mind can go on in just a matter of seconds. I, I literally went from all five stages of grief, which was flooding my emotions at the exact same time. I went from disbelief to, to anger to negotiating and even all within one minute trying to accept the reality that my son's gone. I'm running around to security. I'm running around everywhere. I'm, I'm on the verge of getting ready to run into the service and take the mic out of the preacher's hand and say, listen, nobody's going anywhere. 
until I find my son. We're about to shut this place down like a missing kid at Disney. Like that's, that's kind of, that's what I thought I was going to have to do. And, and, and as I was trying to, to navigate through it and I was filled with emotions and, and my wife wasn't even aware at the time. And I just began to say, how can I, how can I tell her? What am I, what am I going to say to her? And as I was mustering up the, the strength to go and, and tell her, I turn a corner and what do you know? There is young Caleb standing in front of the Nintendo, just playing the game like nothing ever happened. I had security on high alert. I was collaring up people, old people, young people. You see my son? Like it was, I was like Liam Neeson and Taken without the skills. My set of skills is prayer. That's all I got. <laughs> but but I, I, rem, I remember the emotions of that. And when I saw him, like this flood that just hit me. And, and here's what I know. I know that he didn't go where I told him to go. I know that he wasn't at the place that he was supposed to be. But when I saw him and I saw that he was safe, I didn't respond in anger. I didn't respond with frustration. I just walked up to my son and gave him the biggest hug and he had no idea what was going on. But here's the thing. In my mind, I was thinking, I, I thought my son was lost but he's found. See, I, I, I'm, I'm confident that many of us have lived lives where we've made mistakes. We've had setbacks. We've had some challenges. And if we're honest, we think of God as being this God who's sitting on the purple hills of Mars with a lightning bolt in his hand, ready to just judge us and smite us for every little mistake that we've made. See, I, over the past couple of years, I think people's view of God has been shifted. I, I think that we've contorted it a little bit. And I am convinced that there are two different Jesuses. I am. I'm convinced. I believe that there's the Jesus that fits people's agenda, and then there's a Jesus in the Bible. And unfortunately, people have been projecting something that fits their image that's not a reflection of the Bible that I read. And in fact, the Bible that I read, it tells me that Jesus is perfect theology. If you ever want to know how God feels about you, look at Jesus. If you ever want to know how God sees you, look at Jesus. If you ever want to know what God is speaking about you, look at Jesus. Jesus is perfect theology. And I believe that this passage that we just read is a beautiful description that Jesus wanted to deliver to you to let you know that the Father has a heart for you. And no matter what environment you may have found yourselves in, no matter what environments that you may have stumbled into, whether self-inflicted or things were imposed upon you, that God has a burden for you. And the things that I want us to walk away with this is this, is that the Father, he will pursue you. He will pursue you. I want you to notice in the text where it says that the son came to himself and that when he began to go home to his father, that his father saw him off in the distance and he ran to him. I want you to know that God sees that you showed up here today. God sees every time that you pray. God sees you in every place that you may find yourself and that you have a loving father that pursues you. He's not looking for perfection. He's not looking for you to have it all together. All he's doing is looking for you to take a single step. The Bible says if you draw near to God, he will draw near to you. If you take one step, he will take a thousand. All it takes is taking a single step. The beautiful thing about God pursuing us and meeting us where we are is also this understanding is that, is that God knows how to provide exactly what we need. This, this young man was filled with so much shame because of where he was. 
this young man felt so defeated and deflated because of the self-imposed decisions that he made. He literally came to his father smelling of the stench of where he was from, smelling of the aroma of being in a pig's pen, literally, smelling of the aroma of desperation and, and brokenness and decay. And as he begins to go with his rehearsed speech, Father, I've, I've, I've made so I'm not even worthy to be considered your son. His father interrupts him and he says, get me the best robe. Get me some sandals. Get me a ring to put on his finger. See, the father knew how to provide exactly what the son needed. The son lost his dignity in the world, but God gave him his dignity back. His father gave him exactly what he needed to hear. And what I believe some of us need to understand, I want you to recognize the order of things. He crowned him before he cleaned him. Let, let me say that one more time. He crowned him before he cleaned him. That means that even though he still smelled like where he was from, he was still placed right back in the family's position. Even though he still had the stench of the past, the Bible doesn't say that he had to clean himself up, get himself together, but the Bible says that the best robe was placed on him exactly where he was, that he was then given sandals to change his shoes out to say that you have a new destination and a new direction that I'm leading you. You can leave those things behind. And then he gave him his ring. I'm talking to somebody in here right now that he will clean you up right where you are, but you are accepted as you are. He crowned him before he cleaned him. And then that beautiful thing is that he just, he knew how to provide and he knew how to position him. That God knows how to position us. See, for him, when he gave him that ring, that was signifying that you are a part of my family. Every family of prominence had a ring and that ring was like a signet. And when people saw you, they knew what family you belonged to. This young man who already had a ring sold the ring, lost the ring, lost his identity. But when he came back to his father, his father knew how to reestablish his dignity, but also how to give him his identity back and positioned him at his table. I believe for some of us in here today that, that maybe you feel like you've lost some things. God knows how to provide for you, but he wants to position you right where you're supposed to be. You have a seat at his table. You are welcome as you are. And even though you may smell like where you came from, you don't have to work for it. All you got to do is take a step and show up. You know, as we prepare to wrap up, and I want to go into a moment of, of prayer really quick. You know, the Father's heart is to pursue you. The Father's heart is to provide for you. The Father's heart is to position you. But there's another thing in this text that I believe that we can sometimes miss. You see, after they have this big celebration, there's the other son that was there. And that other son was feeling some type of way. He was feeling some type of way because he's like, man, I've been here the whole time. I didn't go out. I didn't waste the money. I've been here the whole time being faithful. I was the one that was doing all the work. It's like those, those really smart kids who get upset when a teacher gives the other kids like the same type of grade. Like, I'm the one who did the homework. How did he get in the same grade? As, like, you know, it's that, it's, that, it's that moment where the kid who, who did all the work didn't like the idea of his brother being someone who was being treated as an equal. In fact, when he talks to his father, he says, this son of yours, to separate himself from him. He brought it on himself. If he would have stayed here and grinded like me, then he would be the same. But then the father lovingly turns to him and says, like, man, everything that I have is yours. They're, like, you've lost nothing. Me showing attention to him doesn't take attention from you. Me being able to care for him because he's in the moment of crisis doesn't take away the fact that I love you. Me showing attention to him because he's suffering doesn't take away that I value you as the same. 
And then he said, your brother was lost and now he's found. Here's the crescendo of all of it. The father's heart is unity. When a brother wanted to separate himself from his brother, he said, no, y'all both are my kids. The ones who got it together and the ones who were jacked up. And what I need you to do is not look at each other despairingly, but to link arms and recognize that you were both my children. That's the kingdom. That's the message of the gospel. That's God's heart for his people, for us to recognize that we're all in this together. What I, what I recognize in moments like this, and even if you're joining us um, at home online, is that there's a stirring that begins to take place. And, and I believe that stirring is that part of us that says, similar to the sun, man, look at, look at where I'm at. I, I would do so much better in my father's house. And what the Bible says is that he came to himself. That means there was something in his mind that allowed him to recognize that where I am is not where I'm supposed to be, that, that God's called me for more than this. I believe that every person who's surrendered their life to Christ has come to that conclusion at some point where you come to yourself, where you recognize that there is more for me. And what I believe is that there's some people in this room with us today that God is stirring you and saying that where you are, I have so much more for you. Come to yourself. Recognize that there is more for you in the Father's house. With every head bowed and with every eye closed, I want to just lead us in a, in a quick prayer. If you're in here with us today, and, and maybe some of the things that we hit on sounds a little bit like you. You're away from the Father. Or, or there's this moment where you just recognize that where I am is not God's best for me. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for those who are ready to come home. So if you're in here with us today and you know that your next step is to surrender your life to Christ, to return to Christ, to get to that place where you can get closer to the Father, I want to include you in a very simple yet powerful prayer. On the count of three, would you mind lifting your hands up with every ounce of boldness that you have? One, two, three. I'm coming home to the Father. I'm coming home to the Father. Amen. I'm coming home to the Father. See those hands in the back. Amen. God bless you. I'm coming home. I'm coming home. I'm coming home. Church, can we put our hands together for every person that is coming home to the Father? Here's what I want us to do. I want us to stand on our feet, and, and we're going to go back into a, a time of, of worship. And, and I want to pray. I want to pray for, for the people that have just said yes to coming home. We are so proud of you. I am personally so proud of you. I want to welcome you back home. We're going to have a team that's going to come and give you some instructions on some, some next steps for you. We want to meet you out in the lobby, give you a Bible, give you some resources that we believe can truly help you. But I want to pray for you. So, so can you repeat this prayer after me, helping along those who may be praying it for the first time? Just repeat after me. Lord Jesus, I give you my life. I repent of my sins. I believe that you died on the cross and that you rose from the dead. And I am saved. Fill me with your spirit and order my steps in Jesus' name. Let me pray for the rest of us. God, I thank you. I thank you for what you're doing, what you have been doing. I thank you for people like Pastor Dixon, God, who has modeled what it looks like to have the Father's heart by pursuing those who are lost. God, I pray in the name of Jesus for every individual in here as we're on our journey that you continue to stir our hearts to draw closer to you. So Father, as we go back into this time of worship, I pray that you meet us where we are, that you encourage us, that you strengthen us and allow us to know that you are providing for us, that you've positioned us, Father, and that you are all for us in Jesus' name. Come on, church, let's worship one more time.
Thanks again for listening. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast and review and share what you heard today. If you'd like more content like this, or you'd like to connect with us, go to celebrationorl.org. We hope you join us next time.